You, holy God, who have found us in Jesus Christ, you invite each of us to come and see, to come and see you. Draw near to us this morning in your word. Transform, reshape, and reform us by it. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated this morning. What are you looking for? It's the first time that Jesus speaks in John's gospel. And it's a doozy of a question for these two disciples of John the Baptist. What are you looking for? It's a question that has defined our culture for generations. And with Bono of the band U2, the overwhelming response that has come home to roost in our secular age is, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. We are a culture that all too often offers trite answers to deep questions. We are a church, too, that has opted for the banal and the superficial. God help us. But thank God, right? We have Google. We have Siri for such profundities. Now, don't get me wrong. The phenomena of having an Internet's worth of information come to us by way of Siri or Alexa is indeed a marvel. But it is also symptomatic of an age of prepackaged answers. Fast food-sized solutions to a question worthy of an eight-course, three-starred Michelin meal. But we want it free and fast. Perhaps with an inspirational quote on the side, a heavy dose of sentiment, and definitely something we can get through in between the shows that we're binging on Netflix. And yet the question hangs. What are you looking for? Presumably it's a question that you've pondered once or twice. What is it in the quiet of your heart and mind, in the stillness of your life, that you're looking for? What drives you to be here this morning? Why, when the headlines say this church thing is shrinking so rapidly, why do you still have skin in this game? Or wonder of wonders, you may be here wondering if you should put skin in the game this morning. What are you looking for? There is a yearning so profound and so fundamental to who we are that Google, Siri, Netflix, or our favorite inspirational quote is not going to cut it. And it's not going to cut it because we do bump into reality once in a while. And when we do, we find ourselves looking for an anchor for something solid, for something to hang on to. If all we have is Siri in our pocket, we realize that it's all vapor. 
In John's Gospel, Jesus knows this is the fundamental question of our humanity. What are you looking for? This is no water-cooler chat. For these two disciples of John the Baptist, this is a conversation at a crossroads. This is the encounter of a lifetime. So first things first. Don't worry if you can't articulate an answer to this question, what are you looking for? If you find yourself reaching and and pulling at it foggy and hazy and scrambling for the semblance of an answer, you aren't alone. Notice these two disciples, they don't even try to answer the question. They dodge it entirely. But they ask Jesus a question. And it may seem a commonplace question, but it is loaded. Rabbi, where are you staying? Well, they know enough to call him rabbi. John's just told them this is the Lamb of God. This is the Holy One of Israel, the coming Lord of life. This is the Son of God. And they at least rise to the level of teacher. But the essence of their question is not about lodging. It is about where he's physically staying, but the question in John's gospel can't be reduced to that. John uses this verb, manai, more than any other writer in the New Testament. In fact, it's a thread, if you follow it, that weaves throughout his whole gospel. In this very passage, it is the Holy Spirit who is just manied upon Jesus. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus promises his followers in chapter 14 when he says about the Spirit of truth, you know him because he manies with you and will manie in you. So when they ask him where he's staying, they're asking him where he abides, where he makes his home. What world do you live in, Rabbi? What makes you tick? What are you all about? And it echoes Pilate's question later on in the gospel, where are you from? It's the same verb that Jesus uses when he tells his followers in chapter 15, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Make your home in me, and I will make my home in you. So this question, where are you staying in the first chapter of John's gospel, foreshadows the fullness of Jesus' answer in chapter 15. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. But for now, Jesus answers their question, not with information, but with an invitation. Not with the right answers, but with relationships. Where are you staying, Rabbi? Come and see. In this simple answer, John brings us to the very center, to the essence of Christian discipleship, and to the gospel's very profound answer to our guiding question, what is it that you're looking for? Of course, they do come and see, and they remained. 
They menied with Jesus. They came close to Jesus, proximate to him, and they were transformed. One of them, Andrew, went from there, got his brother Simon, brought him back. Simon comes into the proximity of Jesus and was renamed, remade, changed. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means for the church to answer the question, what are you looking for? It is to come close to Jesus and be changed. This church thing is not first about getting the right answers to the deep questions of life. It's not about the information. It's about the invitation. Come and see. The church is not the gatekeeper to right answers. It's the voice speaking out an invitation. Come and see. Come and see Jesus. Come and see because Jesus is the answer to the question. Christian discipleship is not about ticking the right boxes. It's about moving into proximity with Jesus, moving into house with him, coming close and remaining with him, even if we don't have any or all the answers. The answer to the question, what are you looking for, is relationship with Jesus Christ, which takes time and it takes community. So take your time. Come close. We're all in the same boat. Remain with him in the midst of the fog of your life, and Jesus will clear the air. He will make his home in you, and he will move into the home that is your life. But fair warning, once he moves in, he will Marie Kondo the house that is your life. You all know Marie Kondo, the queen of decluttering. Whatever does not spark joy in Jesus, he will dust up. Whatever clutters the truth of your life, he will rid you of. Whatever you might think important and essential, but in reality is only a mess, he will tidy. He will clean house. Or in the words of Kanye, Jesus Christ did the laundry. But know this, whatever sparks joy in him who made you will spark deep joy in you, joy to last a lifetime. So we find ourselves at the same crossroads, follow or no, come close or get some distance. St. Paul, reflecting on discipleship, as he writes to the Romans, gives us an image of putting on Jesus like you would put on a piece of clothing, like you would try on a jacket. So put on Jesus Christ, he says. Clothe yourselves with Jesus. Try him out. Put him on. See if he fits. The witness of my life, I hope, 
And the witness of the lives of all of the baptized this morning is yes. Yes, he fits. Yes. Yes, he is the goodness of God. Yes, he is the truth of God. Yes, he is the beauty of God. Yes, he is what my heart has longed for. Yes. I've found what I'm looking for. He's made his home in me. I've made my home in him. And all of the baptized say yes and amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.